the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, welcome back to Come Together San Diego, another broadcast on a beautiful Saturday and beyond. You know, one of the fun things about Come Together San Diego is I've been bringing people from all different uh, biblical Christian points of view, and we merge together, and it gives everybody a, a chance to get a sense of some of the other believers that are out there. And I'll tell you what, our conversations of late have been captivating, to say the least, I'm going to be bringing on our co-host for the entire two hours, but I'm going to be also introducing somebody in this segment that has something going on in San Diego County that you need to know about. First, So first, let me bring on my co-host for the entire two hours. He's an archaeologist in Israel and beyond. His name is Professor Thomas Winder. He lives in a place called New Mexico. And uh, you may recall, if you listen to the show every week, I had him on about a month ago, and we talked about uh, some of the excavations that are going on in Israel. We talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, and we talked about uh, excavations in the northern part of Israel, too, uh, in particular uh, Mount Hermon. But uh, we we only began to scratch the surface, Kaz said, from an archaeological standpoint. But uh, we're going to go further than that. I want to bring on Thomas Winder first, but then I want to introduce somebody that I want to share some insights regarding something that's going on in San Diego. Professor Thomas Winder... Well, hello there, Dr. Kaz. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing fine. You know, we've got a tremendous show. I, You and I talked on the phone as we have begun to do more frequently, and the stuff that God has given you, you know, a lot of people just take the Bible and they go, okay, uh, the things I don't understand, I'm going to put that into the abstract and make it sim- symbolic, but you're re- realizing as you're digging into the technical word of God, you're realizing that some of the things that people have made symbolic over the years and decades and centuries really aren't symbolic. They're really in the ground in Israel. So we're going to talk a lot about that, if you don't mind. Of course. (laughs) But what I'd like to do, Thomas, before we go any further, one of the things, Come Together San Diego, because of the name Come Together San Diego, one of the things I'd like to do is bring on people that have things going on in San Diego County and give them a brief opportunity to kind of share the insights of some of the things that are going on as they see them. So with that in mind, I want to bring on a longtime friend. His name is John Clauder. For those of you who are have been in the music industry or familiar with music through the years, decades, uh, there's been a group known as the Wrecking Crew out of the Los Angeles area over the years, and they came alongside the predominant uh, singers and and musicians that you would know, including Mamas and Papas, including the Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and those guys, they came along with them in a studio wow. setting, and they provided the music background for these remarkable singers. So John Clauder is with us, and I want to introduce him not only to you, my listening friend, but also Professor Tom Win- Thomas Winder. So, hey, John Clauder, how you doing? <laughs> 
doing great. That's great. You know, we I've been talking to you of late. In fact, you and I had lunch together not long ago. And there is a venue going on in San Diego County that you're right in the thick of. Why don't you, we've got you know uh, several minutes here. I wanted to give you uh, a little bit of time to kind of cast the vision of some things that are going on because I believe there's a documentary in progress, and you are right in the thick of that drum roll. Are you not? That is right. We're going to be celebrating in worship for a regional event but celebrating our life uh, in the music industry from Hollywood to Jesus. And uh, June 9th, which is this coming Friday at 7 o'clock at Beach Chapel in Encinitas, we'll be celebrating with stories and actually recording and worshiping to the drum circle. Yes. How drums can be used for everybody to worship the Lord. Everybody can play a drum. (laughs) and. And we're just going to be celebrating with stories and documenting, starting our documentary with a recording that will be live done there. Now, you, John, you were uh, in in years past with some of the very large-named artists in the world, actually. You were with a group called The Wrecking Crew, and your your mantle, your strength was to come behind uh, high-profile musicians and groups and do the music background behind their songs. Is that correct? And you were you were the one of the keynote drummers in that, weren't you? Drummer and percussionist. And percussionist. So, so, so you're going to be doing the, a documentary really tied to the, the drumming component and what God is doing to and through you. Uh, give us a very brief overview about what that's going to be like on this uh, upcoming June 9th and how to invite everybody to come and be part of that, John. Right. Well, uh, Sandy, myself, will be telling stories of how we met in Hollywood, how uh, in our walk with God, how we've been strengthened and we have this testimony. Plus, we'll be having a drum circle, inviting everybody to play. I'll have a lot of drums out, food and celebration. And the cameras will be rolling, too, won't they? The cameras will be rolling. This is going to start a documentary. You know, the record crew had over 300 number one records. My, my. And give us some of the names of the talent. Righteous Brothers, Buffalo Springfield, Crosby, Stills, wow. and Nash Young, uh, the Ronettes. Uh, oh, sure. Gene, uh, Mamas and the Papas and the Archer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I toured with the Mamas and Papas on their number one record, Monday, Monday. My, my, my. So... Wow. I, is, is, I can I can hear uh, Professor Thomas Winder going wow in, well, in, in, in the I'm, background. I'm, I'm listening in, and <laughs> let me introduce myself to John. I'm uh, I'm flattered that that I'm on the air with you, or even get to meet you. And I, and I want to know more about this gig on the on June the ninth. Tell me and tell everybody else how to get there, what time you know how to be there early. Okay. Do you need tickets June, ahead of time, yeah. et cetera? Doors open at 6.30, June 9th, and it starts at 7 at Beach Chapel in Encinitas, California. We're going to be filming it and recording it, and we're just going to have fun of celebration, telling stories, and also worshiping through the drum circle, showing people how they can worship. Each person has this gift from God who created him to worship. And one thing you can do is play a drum. You might not be able to play <laughs> guitar or trumpet, but you can play a drum. We're going to be doing well, that. And see, I, story. See, John, I, I grew up behind a drum set. 
So, so I, I beat myself silly and <laughs> turned all the neighbors into crazy people. <laughs> well, one of the things is I look back at, at I've known, uh, I've known John Clotter for many years and he has taken, you know, a person can get swollen headed about some, some of their musical background. And he certainly could because the wrecking crew out of Los Angeles and other areas was the actual premier group to go into studios with the big names. And so they were really yeah. responsible for a lot of the beats and sounds that you hear in songs that you, you know, you've heard every day for years and years. So, but John has really taken that as a believer. And he said, how do I transition this into believing for, for believers and music as you and I know, Thomas as well. The music is oftentimes the key into that innermost presence of God. So oh, one, one more time. Have good music to get in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so John, one more time, a quick overview about the who, why, what, where, when, and how we have about a minute and a half left. John Clotter, Wrecking Crew fame. Well, what I want to say, I'm also going to be doing the thing called Drums of Fire, which I did all over Eastern Europe, Ukraine, Russia, China, when the curtain fell in the 90s. Thank God I was able, they started bootlegging our American music records, which I was on. So I was able to use the Lord through this drum solo, the witness to Christ, saying about the music business and fame, but if you don't have God in your heart, you're going to be empty. And God, uh, through a ministry of what God did, had me share my testimony all over Eastern Europe, Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, like I said, Ukraine, <laughs> uh, uh, and all over the world. And so God's blessed me with that. I'm going to also be doing that and recording that that drum solo and that witness that I shared all over the world. My, my. John and Sandy Clotter, dear friends of mine, and I tell you what, the man's got the goods. Not only does he have the skill set, but he's got the anointing. My listening friend, once again, if you're available on June 9th, it's a Friday, 6.30 p.m. at Beach Chapel. Beach Chapel is at 510 South El Camino Real in Encinitas, California. Go ahead and be there. You you know, you, there's no need to make reservations. Just show on up and uh, get your fingers ready to pound the drum. <laughs> Chaz? Yes. Chaz, I, yes, got, I got him to really say how many are coming. Please, can I give them my email? They can contact me if, they're, if they are going to come. So that we know how many are. Yes. The okay, email John Clotter, say you're coming or hoping to come. John? Right. This is low caps. John Clotter, C-L-A-U-D-E-R, 58 at gmail.com. John Clotter, all lowercase, 5858 at gmail.com. That's it. John Clotter and Sandy, give Sandy a hug for me. I will. Okay. Thank you, my wrecking crew brother. God bless you. Love you, guys. Thank you, bro. It's a pleasure. You know, Professor Thomas Winder, I'm not surprised that you were pounding those drums at a younger age. That really speaks to me a lot about who you are these days. (laughs) You do your different kind of drum pounding these days. Living room windows and crank up my dad's stereo to the speakers blew up. And oh just drove the neighbors crazy. Well, you know, that, that that's a pretty good transition into what we're going to be talking about. God wants us to sp- pound our spiritual drum about drum, things that man, are going man. on. The drums of fire. That's, yeah. that's right. We, about what's going on in other places like Israel. And my listening friend, if you feel like you have at least some kind of a knowledge about Scripture, 
if you haven't considered the fact that many of the things that you have taken as abstract and say, well, this is symbolic for blah, 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 the truth matter may be just buried in the ground in Israel, and you have to realize you have to rethink the way you embrace Scripture. And my growing good friend, Professor Thomas Winder, who is an archaeologist in Israel, who has done archaeological work not only in Sodom and Gomorrah, but also in northern excavations uh, at the... uh, what he calls the Mount of Transfiguration will provide proof text on that around a place called Mount Hermon, which is in northern Israel. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to have to rethink what you thought you knew about Scripture. Ain't that right, Professor Thomas Winder? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but but uh, <laughs> I do I do have some insights that sure open up the book. Okay, well, let's open up the book in the next segment. And bring it to life. Well, let's open up the book in the next segments. My listening friend, you're going to want to not only pay attention to this show, but uh, note that it's going to be in the in the podcasts a couple days hereafter. You're going to want to listen to this over and over again and take your Bible and open the pages and go, oh, this was real, and this happened there. It makes me understand things differently than I've ever understood them before. Tom Winder and Kaz Taylor will talk about these things and more when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. I'll tell you what, it's a remarkable time we're having here, especially when you start hearing some of the truths that are buried just below the ground and some a little bit deeper. When you go into a place called Israel, my friend Thomas Winder is one of the uh, well-known archaeologists that uh, does digs in Israel. He spent time in the Sodom Gomorrah area. And of late, uh, we have been talking about things in northern Israel. Thomas, I'm going to hand the baton to you. Uh, I want you to kind of set the stage of where we went the last show, which was about three or four weeks ago. And then I want you to jump in and don't restrain anything. Let her rip potato chips. (laughs) Yeah, let her rip. Okay, well, well, thank you, Kaz, and and I want to say hello to all my friends out there in San Diego and in North County. Love you guys, and I love to uh, come out and speak at all the churches out there. And that's how I met you. Yes, and, you did. Uh, you know, being in ministry is is a special thing, and it's a special calling. And uh, and my calling, I thought years ago, was to be in the priesthood. So I went to school to do that. And while I was at the school to do that, the the uh, director came to me and said, what on earth are you doing in the Hebraic Studies program? Hmm. And I said, well, uh, I know this stuff inside and out. I can challenge every single one of your classes. And so it's easy. And he laughed, and, and he'd already known me by then because I had had my own radio show up in northern New Mexico, prepare the way with Brother Thomas. Yes, you are the Brother Thomas. I was Brother already Thomas. on the map. <laughs> and, uh, and so he twisted my arm to change my major, and he put me on staff at the school. And the next thing I know, I'm a director of the Tal El Hammam excavation, which is the city of Sodom in Jordan. So, you know, digging and getting dirty is part of my life. I was a contractor for 40 years. So, I, you know, he told me I, I was a born archaeologist, and I guess I believed him. And because the next thing you know, I was over there, you know, digging up the real city of Sodom, which is which is a 
topic we could talk forever on. Sure. But what we've been dealing with is, of course, God's plan of redemption, which comes to light in a very special way up on Mount Hermon when Jesus takes his disciples north from the Sea of Galilee uh, a week before the Feast of Tabernacles, and he goes north on the Damascus Road to Mount Hermon instead of Jerusalem. And I'm sure that they saw lots of people on the road because at that time, everybody is that's healthy is walking to Jerusalem. Yeah, they're going the opposite because direction. Course, that's <laughs> right, because, of course, Tabernacles is one of the three mandatory feasts. Yes, before you go any further, be let's, let, let, let's give some a geographical uh, uh, yeah. uh, persuasion for our, our listeners. You know, Israel is kind of a, a narrow north to south nation with the, you know, uh, tighter borders on the east to west side, but north to south is where it's elongated, an elongated nation. And a lot of times when Jesus was spending time in Galilee and even north of the Galilee area and Tiberias and things like that, that's way north of Jerusalem, way north of Jerusalem. So In uh, those days, it was Assyria. It was outside the, right. the boundaries of Palestine. Yes, yes. And and so, so my listening friend, when you when you hear about these things, you, you think Jesus is in this real tight-knit area in uh, Jerusalem. No, no, no. He was typically expected to be in Jerusalem, especially during the feast times, but he found himself during this time frame of the Feast of Tabernacles and the uh, Yom Teruah, the blowing of trumpets and the Day of Atonement. He found himself northward, and he had an ulterior motive, and he took his uh, his trio of disciples with him, and I'm going to hand the baton back to you, because he, every, when he's walking on this road, they're all going the other way into Jerusalem to celebrate yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody else is going south on the <laughs> Damascus Road because that's the road that leads to Jerusalem, Yes, to the Damascus Gate, by the way, uh, of the old city. And, of course, they have to go past the Sea of Galilee to go over the hills to get to Jerusalem on the Central Benjamin Plateau. But Jesus and his disciples are going north. And it's exactly right. It's the day after Jesus had just fed 4,000 people uh, there there at the Sea of Galilee with seven loaves of bread. And they had tons of bread left over, of course. And everybody had their fill. And the next morning, these disciples, first thing they can't do is cast out a demon. So they have to bring this demonized person to Jesus for Jesus to work on, and of course he can he can do that blindfolded basically, and uh, and he's kind of irritated at the disciples, and then the disciples start complaining about where lunch is coming from, so they get chewed out righteously by our master, uh, and they head north. He actually tells them, you know, the story, you know, you guys have no faith. You only have the faith of a mustard seed. You could move a mountain, etc. And he's and he says to them something very strange: Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the, and the, of course, the disciples are wondering what on earth he's talking about. And they finally figure out that he's not talking about bread, but.
but he's talking about the religious system of Judaism. Yes. So that's what's going on on the way north on the Damascus Road. And then they come to Caesarea Philippi, and they camp out for a week there because now it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. took them about five days to get there from the Sea of Galilee. They get there. They immediately set up their tabernacles. And I, and I know this because if you read on in, uh, in chapter 17 of Matthew, when the transfiguration takes place, Peter, bless his heart, wants to build Jesus, Moses, and Elijah three Sukkots, three tabernacles. Well, you only build those things one time of the year. These aren't, these aren't you know, camping tents. These are Sukkots, three-sided, specifically to be kind of like miniature tabernacles in the wilderness. Because what they do for the Feast of Tabernacles, of course, is commemorate everything that took place during the wilderness wanderings when God literally dwelt with them over the mercy seat in the tabernacle proper. Yep, in so the tabernacle of Moses, yes. Yes, with the tabernacle of Moses. So, so these guys, they're camping out for a week. They're stuck in this place called Caesarea Philippi. And believe it or not, they decide to set up these Sukkots for themselves for the week of the Feast of Tabernacles right in front of Pan's altar at the gate to hell. So you, when you're talking and, about uh, Pan, you're talking about the uh, the goat the, demon, the, the goat demon, quote unquote, little G God, who uh, right. was and is alive and well even these days. And I'll tell you what, my yeah, listener, yeah, bad guy, he's bad, the one that bad guy, children into sex. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Yeah, he's. You can't even show pictures of him because they're all pornographic. Oh my. He's basically the king of porno. Oh, and uh, he's got the horns and the goat feet, and he's a direct descendant, of course, of Azazel, one of the two uh, commanders of the fallen angels that came from heaven, and that of was course, cast out of heaven. In, yes, yeah, the the bad guys that came from heaven that came to earth, Genesis chapter six, and made babies with with the ladies here on earth, which became the Nephilim or the giants the men of renown, and, of course, they become the pagan gods, Baal being the top dog of the of the uh, pagan pantheon, and from there it goes down, and eventually you get to Pan. Mm-hmm. So you go through Melek and Dagon and Chemesh and those. I mean, there's hundreds. Yep. Now, I'm, we're going to have to take a break here. Guys. I'm going to have, have a, yeah. you take a break. As your radio guy, too, you know I have to— Oh, yeah. We're falling prey to the commercial break. But my listening friend, I want you to pay close attention to what's going on there. A lot of times when you read these scriptures, you read them very passively and go, oh, that was very interesting, but it really has nothing to do with the real life. Are you kidding me? These demons are the same <laughs> demons that were then 
now. And these geographical locations are the same now that were then. What does this mean for us today? I mean, there's a lot of things that if we see the Scripture the way it truly is, and an archaeologist would be able to dig in and say, here's what I've discovered, a lot of people are beginning to realize that the things were written in Scripture were not to be symbolic at all, but they're real. And if they're real, what does that have to do with us as Christ's church of whom he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail not against prevail. you, my listening Amen. friend. So, Thomas, right. we're going we're to take a commercial break, and we're going to come back. You've Once again, you've opened this, this uh, tremendous possibility. It's more than a possibility. Uh, but you've opened this, and it's time to excavate it, as an archaeological guy would do. And we're going to play archaeological—we're going to— can you dig it? We're going to do that in the next segments. When Thomas Winder... Play the song. Come on. <laughs> when Thomas Winder and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends, not only with Kaz Taylor, but my co-host, Professor Thomas Winder, and he's a New Mexico guy, but he's a guy whom God calls on to excavate land in the Israel area, spent time in Sodom excavating things. We won't even get into the depth of those things. You can check out uh, uh, a podcast from uh, a month ago to dig into that. He spent more time excavating that topic. Right now, we're at a place called Mount Herman, a.k.a. the Mount of Transfiguration. And many people, you know, when you talk about the Mountain of Transfiguration, many people go, oh, well, that's got to be near Jerusalem because the disciples said to Moses and Elijah who appeared there, let us build tabernacles for you, Jesus, and for Moses and Elijah. And and Thomas uh, amazingly pointed out, and it is so true, the only tent-building time in Israel was the time of the uh, Feast of Tabernacles time frame when it was actually uh, a, a celebration, actually, of the the harvest of uh, grapes and uh, olives and and, fir- and and fruits as well. But so, but the point of the matter is, many Bible teachers will go, oh, because of this, that means it happened down in Jerusalem. But the fact that it didn't happen in the Jerusalem area, but way up north on Mount Hermon, changes the dynamics of uh, Scripture. And uh, Thomas Winder is here to share with us some further insights. Uh, uh, Thomas, it blew my mind when you said that, because, uh, you know, I, as a student of the Scripture, go, well, naturally it had to be in the in the Jerusalem area because uh, these thing, the tabernacles were tied to the Jerusalem area uh, during the time when Israel was in uh, when you know the Jews were in Jerusalem so it has to be that way and a lot of times if we don't allow scripture to bear its own weight and actually let excavations prove the text uh, we make wrong uh, assertions. I'm going to hand the baton to you because Kaz is talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 not just a, a physical reality that we don't pay much attention to these things, but they're Jewish. Yes, and because they're Jewish, the Western Christianized, you know, believer just doesn't pay attention. Uh, you still there? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. And so because we don't pay attention to these things, 
oftentimes, more than just often, we get the wrong perspective. So let's so let's get back on the road to Damascus. <laughs> the Jesus has taken his disciples north. They're probably wondering what on earth is going on. They're just following him, and they end up at literally the altar of the goat demon Pan, which is out of bounds for a good, clean Jew to even be there. So the altar of Pan is what you're saying, the altar of this demon uh, who who requires demon worship, which includes the sacrifice of children. Please. Oh, my goodness. This place is so defiled. This is where human sacrifice, baby sacrifice, and open orgy takes place with people and animals even. This is this is literally the devil's kitchen. And it's off bounds to good clean Jews, as is all defiled areas, but they can generally be close. There's actually a synagogue in Caesarea Philippi, but Caesarea Philippi is about a quarter mile from the base of Mount Hermon, where the gate to hell happens to be, which is a spring. It is a huge spring that literally begins the Jordan River. Oh, my. Unbelievable. But springs are very important to the pagans because springs are are water that comes from the underworld, so they're gateways to the underworld where, of course, those crazy fertility spirits live. So would you also say, Thomas, that they're not only gateways to the underworld, but they could be gateways from the underworld to the earthly world as well? Well, It it blows my mind because, you know, a lot of things that we're we're studying these days, you know, you talk about the the demons and the the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were— desirable, and they they brought forth uh, giants as a result of that uh, heinous intercourse thing going on there. But th- this not only suggests, but it, it really clearly implies that those things did not stop. They're still in progress. I- I'm going to hand the baton well, to you. We've got about two or three yeah. minutes left in this segment, but I don't want okay. you to re- restrain your, your point of view and yeah. also toss scriptures our way when you do. Well, well, you're right. The spirits are still around. The bodies of those giants that turned into the pagan gods, I mean, if you've got giants running around the world, you better serve them, because if you don't, they're going to eat you. Okay? The human race was absolutely controlled by these giants, and they corrupted the human beings. Not only spiritually did they corrupt them, but also physically. Some of the giants had six fingers and six toes. There's a lot of very strange DNA things being mixed up in those days. And what, what, what this point is, is why did Jesus go to this place, the goat demon's altar, the pan, the altar of Pan, where the gate to hell is, why did he go there to ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, the answer turns out that that mountain, Mount Hermon, is where those bad angels 
came to earth and mated with the ladies that created the Nephilim, the giants, that all the people in the land of Canaan, all the New Testament people, we hear about that stuff, and we don't realize that those spirits are still out to lure our children in, to take people down, and to lie, steal, and destroy all of God's people. Well, you know, it's, it's not yet, happening. If you take a step back, you know, a lot of times we, we know that uh, abortion is an evil thing. We, we know that the um, stealing away of young people uh, is going on prolifically in many areas of the world, but even in San Diego, California, these things are going on and in other areas as well. But children are being abducted, and where are they? Well, we go, oh, they were just kidnapped by some uh, person, and, and they, they will appear soon. What happens if it's more heinous and more spiritual than that? What happens if demonology well, is, is more alive and well? And it- so we've yes, got about two minutes here, but we've got the whole show to talk about this. So, you, you, Mr. Radio Man, know we've do, got two minutes. Yeah, those people that do that, okay, that are mistreating the children, all right, and we know they are, they're actually seemingly getting away with it, okay, that is absolute Baal worship. And Baal is the top dog. We'll talk about him real soon because he's literally the incarnation, if you will, or the spirit of the devil directly. My, my. So my listening friend, here's the deal. You know, we're feeding you. We're not feeding you pablum anymore. You're getting um, the depth of the word of God. And it's up to you to properly discern this. Uh, the Bible says to study yourself approved of workmen and does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A lot of times in the past, we didn't have the full truth of the word and geology and also uh, archaeology to support one position over another. Now we're having to say, oh, my God, and I'm not, not cursing when I say that. Oh, my God, what if these things are true? My job as one of the called out ones becomes more vital than I've ever considered before. Thomas Winder, we're going to have to take a break, but we're, <laughs> my listening friend, you're going with your eyes are wide open going, whoa, 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 what? Well, Thomas Winder's going to give you not only scripture point, points of view, but he's going to give you archaeological points of view, and you're going to have to weigh and pray this stuff, okay? Nobody's twisting your arm to believe what's not God and God's Holy Spirit directive, but what God's Holy Spirit is saying to you, <sighs> You need to consider God's Word as literally God's Word, not an abstract application of truth. So Thomas Winder and I are going to talk about these and so many things more when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hello, my listening friend. My co-host, Professor Thomas Winder, an archaeologist uh, who uh, has growing renown in the nation of Israel and all over the world because of some of his discoveries. And, you know, he's not a guy with a swollen head. Uh, I, I've come to know him, and he's a real down-to-earth kind of a guy. Thomas Winder, I was talking with Aimee, our prayer warrior, who oftentimes is in prayer for this show or one of our other prayer warriors. She's here in the studio with me, and she mentioned a scripture that's found in Luke. I'm going to hand this to you because as an archaeological uh, digs guy, you'll 
so totally identify with this, and I'm going to hand the baton to you early. My listener, here's the deal. God's Word is true, and if we take it abstractly, then we'll go, oh, I don't need to hear about that. That's not necessary. It doesn't impact me. Oh, yes, it does. This, the, while the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, the same Spirit that put Jesus in the ground dwells in this world and the people, many people within this world whom have allowed this spirit within them. And you're seeing the evil and the good clashing with one another. My listening friend, take the Bible seriously, as does Thomas Winder. Uh, Thomas uh, Imey Smith, our prayer warrior, said, talked about the scripture in Luke 19, I think, 40, it talks about and, and the, the rocks crying out. And you, uh, from an archaeological standpoint, you actually do. You see this as you do your excavations. The rocks are crying out about these truths. And uh, we're talking about this place in uh, uh, Caesarea Philippi and Mount Hermon, a.k.a. the Mount of Transfiguration, a.k.a. the place where Jesus met with Moses and Elijah and his other disciple trio, and the things that are hap- have happened there uh, are room for us. But, you, you know, a lot of people go, well, that's a long ways away. I'm in Southern California, or I'm here or there. Are you kidding me? This is a worldwide threat, and the United States threat as well. Thomas Winder, <laughs> handing the uh, shovel to you. Ah, I'll take the, I'll take the trowel. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but I work a shovel pretty darn good. Yes. Uh, so, ba- so back up to Damascus Road, we're at the Altar of Pan, which is right in front of the Gate to Hell, where the water of the Jordan River begins. It's gorgeous, but this is the Devil's Kitchen. So you have to ask yourself, what on earth is Jesus going there for? He yep. asked, he, he, he's telling his disciples, well, he's teaching them that, first of all, they're not thinking spiritually. All they worry about is who's going to be in charge. Yeah. Well, I so said it's your right hand or your left hand. Please. You know, beware, beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's the religious system of their day. You and I would say, beware of the Republicans and the Democrats. <laughs> it's, no, you're right. It's essentially, it's essentially the same because the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the two, two ruling parties of the Sanhedrin. Yes. So, so in, in a way, it's very similar uh, because these disciples have not uh, grabbed the power that's available to them. You see, they cannot cast out a simple demon. So where does Jesus take them? Right straight to the land of the demons. Oh, my gosh. And right there he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're Jeremiah or Elijah, you know, a great teacher. You're a good prophet, etc." And then he looks eye to eye right at him and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and he says, you are the son, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, oh, precious one, uh, Simon Barjona, he gives Peter 
a instant promotion to being a son of a prophet. He says, Simon Barjona, wow, the flesh didn't tell you that. Must have been my father in heaven that told you that. Praise be, okay? And uh, and then he says, upon this rock, he says, this is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Wait a minute. To get there sitting or standing right in front of the very gate to hell where these demons are manifested and all of this uh, debauchery and lasciviousness takes place in the devil's own kitchen. Right. And you're and talking about Matthew is, 17 and beyond, right? Matthew 16. 16. We're still at 16. Okay. And and Matthew 16, and, and Jesus says, who do you say I am? You are the son of the living God, the Messiah. Uh, and he says, okay, then you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, which they're standing at, that represent hell and the demons, shall not prevail against you. And he says, I will give you, that's the church, that he just declared, I will give you, and you can put in parentheses, my church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives his disciples, his church, the total authority over the dark forces of paganism over all the darkness. We, you and I, and everybody that calls themselves the body of Christ, we are in his stead here because he's gone. He'll be back soon, of course, praise God. But until he does, you and I, brother, and the church, we are in charge. We have the authority, and we can keep the demons not just at bay, we can kick them out. Yes. So then, after teaching them this incredible message, because they can't even cast out a simple demon yet, or they're always worried about where lunch is coming from, or who's going to be in charge, what does he do next? He tells them, he says, oh, by the way, I got to go to Jerusalem to die. Yes. They hate that. They I know, and that, that was... Yes, and that was because we're going to be tying this in with Moses and Elijah as well. Part of the reason that God had Moses and Elijah on this Mount of Transfiguration, which you are calling Mount Hermon, which is in the northern part of Of Israel, the uh, Jesus meeting with Moses and Elijah was for them to console or direct or or, uh, give consolation, any number of things with Jesus about his soon coming death, but also his burial and resurrection. So all these things, Moses and Elijah were communicating this with them, with him on this mountain called Hermon and in at the gate, literally at the gates of hell. These disciples had a lot to think about. And my listening friend, you and I, you and I as, yeah, exactly. But you and I as a church, we have a lot to think about as well, because the evil influences, we say we're in the 20th, 21st century. We don't have to worry about those things. Are you kidding me? 
The time is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Nobody has to, the, the believers have to con, be considerate of this more than ever before. And you go, are you kidding me? I, I go to church, I do my deal, and then I go to my Jack in the Box or my McDonald's or my restaurant, and then I just go about my regu- regular living. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. We are in the times that we need to make godly stands because the enemy is real and Israel, <laughs> and he's coming against us no matter what part of the world we are in. We, we, we the ecclesia, the called out ones, have work to do. Thomas, we've got about a minute and a half. Set the right. stage for our next segment. Well, let, so me, let, me, uh, let me wrap this up for, for the next break. Uh, so right after this, what does he do? He answers his own question. How does he do that? He takes his three captains up to the mountaintop, to a high, lonely mountain, and transforms literally. That's why it's called the transfiguration. He transfigures literally into the Almighty himself on the hill, literally at night, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, at the exact same moment that the light show is going on in Jerusalem, Jesus is putting on his own light show on Mount Hermon. My, my, Hallelujah. My. And if you read through the scripture, it's not like it was it was just Jesus in plain clothes. The Bible talks of him as being uh, in, in a brightness, literal brightness, as were Moses and Elijah. And can you imagine the three disciples going, oh, ah, uh, what can this mean? And here we are in the earth today going, ooh, ah, uh, what can this mean? They were about ready to be given a revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, Thomas Winder and I are going to talk more about this and perhaps give you a revelation that's going to give you some ammo to deal with the challenges that we're facing right N-O-W now. Thomas Winder and Kaz will talk more about that when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next on K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hey, welcome back, my friends, to Come Together San Diego. And this is a riveting show, no question about it, particularly if you pay heed to the fact that the Bible is true. God's Word is true, and you may have identified things as abstract and symbolic that you really shouldn't have because the things that happened back then are happening now in Ecclesiastes. It says, that which was, is, and that which is, is to come, because there's nothing new under the sun. So why do we need to realize that the things that were going on uh, in the Old Testament days, in Jesus' day, on the Mount of Transfiguration and beyond, why do we need to conclude that these are real things, but not only real things that had to do with Israel, but real things that have to do with you and I in this world? Thomas Winder is with me. He's an archaeologist. Uh, he's a professor in New Mexico, and uh, he's a remarkable guy. And Thomas, uh, I'm glad to have you with me for the second hour as well. But please, would you forgive me as I have to do just a little bit of business here? <laughs> Let me help if I can. <laughs> okay. Well, well I, I need to, to tell a couple things, and you can help too, because I want to tell our listening friends that I'm giving you my website information so you can communicate with me and say, love the shows, hate the shows, or I have an idea about a show, and uh, then uh, send me an email and say that, and who knows if it's a powerful topic, I may invite you to come visit me on the air as well. <laughs> but anyway, that email address is come together San Diego. 
Come Together San Diego, all squished together at kprz.com. Uh, email me a note and say, love the show. Here's some thoughts. What, whatever you want to do is fine. And Thomas Winder, I want you to give me an email that people can get a hold of you as well. And then I have one more piece of business. Then I'm going to hand the baton to YOU. Well, I would just love to let everybody wait till the end, but I'll put that, I'll put part of the carrot out. Yeah, put, right put a tiny, my tiny email, bit of the carrot. Yeah, my, my email is Thomas, T H O M A S dot h l r i which is of course short for holy land research institute so it's thomas dot h l r i at outlook dot com very good thomas winder has been with me for the beginning of the first hour now he's going to be with me in the second hour as well but uh he came with me uh, about a month or so ago doing a show check it out in the archives as well captivating captivating, captivating. Before we go any further, I just need to mention my listening friend, you know, uh, KPRZ and the Salem Media Group uh, are affiliated with different groups that do deep faith ministries. In fact, there is a deeper faith cruise that is happening August 26th through September 4th. It is it's called the Deeper Faith <laughs> Mediterranean cruise. You know, we're talking about the Mediterranean right now, which is the area uh, on the western, the west coast uh, of of uh, Israel. And uh, this is a, a real place with real things going on. The, the deeper faith um, uh, Mediterranean cruise is with Alistair Begg, and it's August twenty sixth through the fourth of September. And you get to explore, you know, remarkable places where the early church began. And some of these areas that you're going to be exploring are places where much of what Thomas is talking to you about actually happened. And it will explore some of uh, Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, uh, Greece, Croatia, Naples, Venice, the island of Malta, where Paul was shipwrecked. All this stuff was uh, it was going on, and you're going to have an opportunity to find out more about this when you pursue information about the Deeper Faith Mediterranean Cruise with Alistair Begg. Here's a place that you can find out more about that, Deeper Faith cruise.com deeperfaithcruise.com or call 1-855-565-5519 once again deeperfaithcruise.com handing the baton to you Thomas Winder we got a lot of ground to cover in just an hour or so with commercial breaks and everything Thomas Winder I don't want you to pull back anything people really know need to know the urgency sir be so kind well uh to to continue unpacking why Jesus went to Mount Hermon right after he basically, you know, gives the disciples uh, uh, a lesson on exorcism because they've they've cleaned out now the altar area where the gate to hell is, and now he decides to take his his three captains up the hill, and right before he does, of course. He says, uh, you know, some of you are not going to uh, die before you see the glory of God. Yes. He also says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, Those are powerful words. But they, we have to remember these disciples don't think spiritually. Still <laughs> well, like well the, the church de- today does not well, think spiritually yeah, or literally we, either. Yeah, you can, 
it's it's exactly that's why this story is so important for the church today because Jesus he goes up to the hill now let me describe this hill he doesn't go to the top of mount hermon okay he just goes to a high lonely mountain very close to caesarea philippi in fact the trail is still there to this day you and i could fly in a plane land get to caesarea philippi and go for a nice leisurely walk up this trail to what is now Nimrod's Fortress Hilltop, where Nimrod's Fortress was built, of course, by the Islamics to guard the Damascus Road and keep the Christians from coming back and taking the land again. You know, Israel keeps on changing hands back and forth, at least it did in the old days. And, uh, and so he takes them up to a high, lonely mountain by itself. Now, this mountain has ridges and valleys or ravines coming down from the summit, just like all mountains do. And on the west ridge, there's four cultic high places where Baal was worshipped pre-flood, and that's on the western ridge. And then there's a huge ravine that you can't cross. And then there's another ridge on the east that has another four cultic high uh, places, temple sites that were Baal uh, worship temples uh, pre-flood and also after the flood, they came. You know, people came back and just rebuilt things. Yes, and uh, and there on the east eastern ridge, there's another uh, ravine between, and right in the middle of these two ridges is a little tiny ridge all by itself. Nimrod's fortress is built there. Say that again, in- Nimrod's fortress. Nimrod. Nimrod's fortress. Nimrod, of course, is the the Tower of Babel guy. The Tower of Babel. Come on. Well, he's not. He's not a lot. This this fortress was only built by the Islamics in around all oh, about a thousand years ago, but it was not there during the time of Jesus. That mountaintop was was bare except for one temple site remained or the main temple site, right dead in the middle of all the others that have pure line of sight to this one. This one is the main one because there's ridges all the the way around it and ravines. It sticks up all by itself. It's only an hour walk from Caesarea Philippi. So that's where Jesus goes for the transfiguration. And do you know what temple site was up there? Baal's own throne. And what's left of it is still there today. So oh my. Theologically, theologically, it goes right along with the same reason why Jesus went to the gate to hell. And Pan's altar, now he's at Baal's altar, Baal's own throne. And what does he do? He turns into God and he answers his own question because the voice, when Moses and Elijah come together and the cloud of light surrounds them, the voice out of the cloud says, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. And then there's a commandment to listen to him. Oh, my. Now, that is, that's, that's Matthew 17. 
You can also get this story in Luke 9 and Mark 9. Uh, In Luke 9, it tells you the conversation. Well, it tells you what the conversation that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were having in the cloud of light. Okay, here's what I'd like you to do. We're out of time for this segment. Just give a very brief overview, like 30 seconds of this conversation, and we're going to excavate that conversation in light of geography and archaeology in the next segment. Just very quickly. It's the the conversation that those disciples hate the most. (laughs) Jesus has got to go to Jerusalem and get crucified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also good news at the end of that tunnel. We're going to talk more about oh, these things. Oh, wait till you hear, because it's at nighttime on the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, my goodness. My listening friend, if you're... And we don't know how well, long it lasted. How my. long did the light show last? My, my. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some hints. Okay, I, I, I love this. My listening friend, I hope you are enamored even more than enamored, but when you're talk, talking, you tend to stammer with the enamor. <laughs> we're listening. For, we're we're going to talk more about this. But I want you to open your Bibles. I want you to say what if this is real and what if it's as impactful today as it was as it was then. What do we do about it, Thomas Winder? Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Thomas Winder and I will get to that when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Oh, my, 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 my listening friend. You know, many of you are diligent students of Scripture, and many of you are kind of passive on that. You have a familiarity, but that's as far as you've taken it. What happens if the Holy Scripture is true, not just abstract symbology, but absolutely true, and what happens if it's as true now and vital now as it was in the days of Jesus uh, leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection, what happens if those things are these things today? We are seeing things, and we're looking at the news, and we're going, ooh, that's ugly, that's ugly, that's bad, but is the realization that it is Actually, biblical, the things that are happening now, biblical, and the same thing that the disciples were asked to do in Jesus' day. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, look in the mirror because you are his disciples now, and the enemy is not abstractly similar. It is the same enemy now as then, and the enemy is impacting uh, people of the world now as in then. My listening friend, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you best not fall awry to the temptations and tricks of the enemy. To help me excavate Mm -hmm. this is a man who has become a pretty good friend in a short period of time, Professor Thomas Winder, an archaeologist uh, in Israel and and in other areas of the Holy Land. But uh, he just has been doing some excavation here that is blowing my mind. I don't know about yours. Uh, But, you know, he was talking about uh, Jesus, Moses, Elijah, the gates of hell, and also at the 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 pinnacle of evil of sat- Satanic's altar himself. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Thomas, 
uh, for this segment. Lay it on us, and, and I want you to begin to set the stage. My listening friend, near the close of the show, our prayer warrior, Imee Smith, is with me, and she has been giving some insights. Oh, I'm going to ask her at, near the end of the show to do some prayers as well. So I oh, want you yeah, to yeah, we got to have prayer, brother. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you and I will conclude the show. But we have uh, about b- b- three segments left to go, and I'm going to hand the baton to you. Don't Thank pull you. back, Thomas Winder. Let us we need I these never are things. Do. <laughs> we need I'm a to know all the time. <laughs> G- yeah, give us scripture support as you go, Thomas Winder. Okay, well, so during the Feast of Tabernacles, it's a seven day feast. Every day they have a water ceremony where they bring water from the Pool of Siloam up to the Temple Mount. Every day they're slaughtering uh, red Their Temple Mount. You're saying their Temple having, Mount. You're not saying the Temple yeah, Mount. Yeah, in Jerusalem. Yeah, or, or, or wherever they're set up. They don't necessarily have to be at the Temple. What they're doing is commemorating what happened in the wilderness when they escaped, when Moses delivers them from Egypt. Okay, they go to Mount Sinai, and they receive the Ten Commandments. Yes. And, of course, we all know that story, you know, like the back of our hand, because Cecil DeMille's made the great <laughs> movie, yes, yes, The yes. Ten Commandments. And we, and we see that on our mind, and it's all wonderful. And let me, let me read a, a couple sentences out of Exodus chapter 24. Come on. And remember, they have a program for seven days. And on the very last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and if you want, you can go into uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 7 and chapter 8 is during this particular time, okay? And also, when Jesus goes to the top of the mountain above Caesarea Philippi yes. to, to be transfigured into Elohim himself, that happens to be the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles at night. Now, let me read you this out of Exodus 24. They've, uh, you know, they've just got the Ten Commandments. They're getting out in the desert, and, and Moses is getting his dis- instructions. Uh, this is verse 15 of chapter 24. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. This is Mount Sinai. Yes. Six days. He he was up on the mountain six days, and on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. That's God. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, that means everybody saw this from down below, uh, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Now, let's unpack this at Mount Hermon. So you're paralleling this with what was going on at Mount Hermon through Jesus. You're paralleling this. Of course. My friends. It all ties together. Yes. Now, in Matthew 17, we know that they're at Caesarea Philippi. They set up their Sukkots, their tabernacles. They've exercised that place. Jesus takes them up the hill. This is where what it says. Verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 17 of Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And 
He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, yeah. and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, on the, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, <laughs> and behold, behold, a voice out of the cloud says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The very same words, by the way, when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the dove comes down and shows up and the word of God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What? What is going on here? Watch this. It's the seventh day. of. Um, it's the last day of the, the feast. feast of Tabernacles. And what do they do on the last day of the feast at the temple, which is, of course, a copy of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness that we're talking about? They put on a huge white show to try to commemorate or, or, or copy the Shekinah glory mm. that dwelt over the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, it was a cloud by day and a, and a pillar, pillar of fire, fire by night. at night. Yes. So on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, because of the verse uh, in chapter 24 that I told you, what they do every year is they put on a light show, mm -hmm. and they throw a cord of wood on the altar of sacrifice, and they light up the uh, big, huge candelabras. I don't know, they're 75 feet tall, full of, <laughs> of olive oil, yes. right? And And the wicks are the are the uh, uh, the used clothing of the high priest. Anyway, they are trying to, to, to copy the Shekinah glory of fire. So there's a huge light show. It starts after the sun goes down, of course. has to be dark. Same exact thing happens on Mount Hermon. When Jesus goes up on the last day, it's actually, to us, it's the sixth night, because the seventh day starts when the sun goes down, not up. Yep. So they're up on the mountain at night when this light show takes place, when Jesus turns into the cloud of light. And guess what? Not only Peter, James, and John get to see this, but mm. this hilltop is a sore thumb sticking out in front of everybody in the region and guaranteed Everybody saw this. Everybody that lived at Caesarea Philippi, yes. probably up to the top of the mountain where I live in Mazdal Shams. They all saw the light show. They may, now I only say may because we don't know, but they may have also heard God's voice mm. say, this is My because back on Mount Sinai, yep. everybody heard God's voice give the Ten Commandments, okay, in 70 different languages. That's why there's 70 bulls, oh my. The, the red heifers, 70 nations in, the, in all the tribes. Interesting stuff, man. Oh, it's interesting exactly stuff. Exactly at the same time that the light show is going on in Jerusalem, Jesus puts on his own light show on Mount Hermon, literally on Baal's throne, <laughs> okay? You talk about extinguishing the darkness. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Boy, does he, 
He reverses the curse completely of what happened on Mount Hermon with all those, you know, all those pagan gods that that were built that were manifested up there, the Nephilim and all the giants. Yes, and uh, and so at the very same time Jesus puts on the light show and watch what happens. We don't know how long it lasted because all we're told in Luke uh, and and also Matthew and Mark is is it's, it turns out to be the next day they come down the mountain. So it must have been a long time that this light show was going yes. on, even though it only feels like a moment yes. to us. But they were met with a huge crowd at the bottom of the hill when they came down the hill. Yes. <clears throat> so everybody saw the light show. Yes. How yes. else would they know to go meet him on his way down the hill? Yes. And he picks, watch this, he picks 70 people, to, or 72, depending upon what translation you have, uh, and he sends them out before him to prepare the way of the Lord uh, and they all come back and they say, man, we could cast, those people could cast out yes, demons. Yes. It says so in Luke chapter 10. Yes. You know, so, um, we want to talk so about that. We're running I, out of time in this segment again, Thomas. Okay. I apologize for that. You've set the stage for the last, <laughs> whiz bang, well, last two segments. Well, did those guys have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did those 70 or 72 people, those teams that went out, if they could cast out demons like yeah. it says they could, I think they had the power. They had the power of God's Spirit, no question about it. I think they took the keys to the kingdom with them. Jesus affected everybody, and they all knew exactly who he was after that. That's right. My listening friend, here's the deal. Thank you, Thomas Winder. And it's about time for us to take a break. But consider this, that which was, is, in Ecclesiastes 1, that's what was, is, and that which is, is to come, because there's nothing new under the sun. You know, of all the feasts and festivals, the one that has not been fully consummated yet is the Feast of Tabernacles. That means Amen. the things that happened back then are in the process of reoccurring now. And look who's in the Holy Spirit driver's seat, God's church. And if that's you, you need to realize that you have some uh, skill sets that God wants to anoint you with. But you need to also Amen. be aware of the wiles of the enemy. Be not ignorant of his devices. Thomas Winder and that's I are right. going <laughs> to talk more about these things. But this is not something that was a nice Bible story. This is a now story for Y-O-U. Thomas Winder and I will talk about these things in the last two segments coming soon to a radio station near you when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back my friends, Professor Thomas Winder is with me, an archaeologist who has been doing the digs in uh, Mount Hermon, and he, is dis- he ha- has witnessed himself. He's actually gone there and witnessed the gates of hell, um, uh, Caesarea Philippi, and all the bright and wild and crazy things going on there, Sodom and Gomorrah. This man is, uh, well, what, what say? God has prepared him well for these final days. And Thomas, I'm really uh, enjoying our time together. We've only got two segments left. Can I set the stage? Because I want, I want, I, we have to, we have to bring it from the days of uh, Old Testament, the days of Jesus, and the New Testament to the days of now. 
And I'm going to set the stage for that, and I'm going to hand the baton back to you. But my listening friend, you know, we're talking about the different festivals and feasts and things like that. Jesus fulfilled the Passover. He was the Passover lamb. He was the the, um, the sacrifice being buried, and he was first fruits. He fulfilled those festivals. He fulfilled Pentecost uh, and Acts chapter 2. But the final festival and feast have not been consummated yet by Jesus through his church. Those things are now. And let me suggest to you, as you look in the book of the Revelation and and beyond, you'll see we we just read uh, in Matthew 16 and 17, two people joined Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration beyond the three disciples, and they were Moses and Elijah. You know, in the book of the Revelation, pay close attention, and beyond, it talks about, and in Malachi, it talks about Elijah coming again in the last days. There's a, there are scripture supports for even Moses coming again in the last days. We have not seen them come again in the last days, and we are in the last days. What happens if that verse is a now verse. A lot of the Jews in Israel are looking for Moses and Elijah coming again. What happens, and and the Scripture says in the last days, Moses and Elijah will come again. What happens if that coming again, or the two witnesses it talks about in Revelation, happens to be Moses and Elijah? What happens if those things that were then are going to happen again now? What kind of position does that put us in right now? We, my listening friend, have an opportunity or an obligation to be the fulfilled, what I want to say, the fulfilled disciples or the fulfilled ecclesia, the called out ones, like never before, even back in the book of Acts chapter 2. That was a baby church. Jesus is coming back for a church that's of marrying age. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's Y-O-U and I. And so I, I know Tom, Thomas is laughing because we, we, you know, we have similar perspectives on this, and I'm just I'm goosing him a little bit. To, to bring it up to present-day times, but the things that happen in Scripture and in the book of the Revelation are happening now. And what happens if you, my friend, are vital to fulfilling God's calling as his church collectively, which he fulfilled singularly? <laughs> I'm gonna, now that I've set the stage, I don't know. You go, Cass, what have you done to me? <laughs> I'm going to hand the baton to you. We've got about well, uh, five minutes yeah. here, and then we've got the last segment. Okay. Well, everybody, you know, wants to know about why did Jesus call Moses and Elijah to have this, uh, you know, light show with there on Mount Hermon, and and I, you know, a lot of the answers w- would would be similar to what the audience is thinking. Well, maybe they're the two witnesses, and perhaps they are. We we don't exactly know. We're not told, but they sure fit the they sure yeah, fit they the fit pattern. Right. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised at all if they are the two witnesses. But personally, my own my own opinion why Jesus calls Moses and why he calls Elijah is because Moses is the great overcomer of the fertility pagan gods of Egypt. Oh my yes. Okay, all of those uh, big pillars that they put up. Okay, those obelisks, those are all sacred pillars that are described as Asherah poles in our Bible, which are phallic symbols, Asherah poles. Yes, but by the way, my listening friend, if that sounds familiar, it sounds like a word like Easter. Oh, you may not be mistaken. That's right. Okay. Well, let's just pass. Just passing that along. Real boy, we could. Yeah. Okay. 
so Moses, of course, he comes down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments, which is the marriage covenant from God to his people. He always says, if you obey my commandments, you will be my people and I will be your God. Yes, Thomas. In Jeremiah 31, 34, it says, even though I was a husband to you, okay, and and so we know eventually that we are, in fact, called the bride. Yes. Are we not? Yes. Isn't the church the bride, and Christ is the bridegroom? And isn't he coming back personally mm. for an adorned bride yes, to take to the honeymoon? While the earth is going through tribulation, the bride is going to be in the heavenlies, described, you know, for seven years, which is the which is a seven day honeymoon in <laughs> in the Jewish world. In fact, in fact, they still get married on Tuesdays because there's a double blessing on that day. And if you read. Exodus 19 and 20, you'll find out that it was on the third day, of course, that God marries them at Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. Oh my. That's, why we're, that's why we're still under those commandments. This my. is very apropos for us today, because Moses and Elijah are with Jesus in the cloud. So now we know Moses is the great overcomer. He delivers his people from that system of of uh, Egypt, Egypt, yes. pagan to the max. Okay, then well, what about Elijah? Elijah basically is the overcomer of the pagan gods of Mesopotamia or Mount Carmel, because you know the uh, barbecue competition that Elijah has <laughs> Mount in First Kings seventeen. Yes. That's on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. Who? Baal. Yes. And the priest of Jezebel. Okay. And Ahab. Those guys have, those guys have, you know, gone to the dogs, so to speak. They are worshiping the pagan gods. They've given up on Yahweh and they're going after the pagan gods, Baal, Shemesh, Dagon, Pan, all those all those creatures of the night, you might call them, they're all the, you know, the the demons that that are in charge of the dark forces. Yes. We've well, got, we got about less than a minute on the end of the segment. Can you believe it? I got it? you, man. I'm wa- I am watching the clock, bro. And, and uh, Elijah, nobody realizes this, but Elijah is a Gentile. He's not Jewish. In 1 Kings, it says, uh, Elijah the Tishbite. Tishbite. No, no one's been able to prove to me yet that he's Jewish. Hard to prove that he's not, except that it says that he's a Tishbite. Yes. So I see the perfect picture of the church, Ooh. Christ as the head of the church, Jew, Jew and... and Gentile <laughs> overcomers, yep. overcomers together, fighting together the spiritual battle against the dark forces of Lucifer and his game. Oh, my. And that's happening right, right now, now in our midst yes. this very second. <laughs> we need the church to wake up. Come together, church. 
Come together, San Diego. <laughs> Come together, America. It is time for the church to speak up. We can no longer be, you know, cowards in the in the corner of the room, in the shadows, worried about what people are going to say or if they're going to get upset. Who cares? That's right. Let them get upset. Yes, Let them get upset. This is a spiritual battle, and we're going to lose it if we don't all come together and wake up. And and it says perfectly clear we're supposed to contend for the, for the faith. faith. Yes. Read the book of Jude. Yes. It's all about this and what's happening. Matter of fact, it's front page news right now for the church. Yes, yes. So my listening friend, thank thank you, Thomas. We've got one more segment left. I'm going to begin the segment introducing Amy Smith, our prayer warrior. And she's she's just going to give a very brief 30-second prayer over you, my friends, right now. And then Thomas and I are going to close the show. But I hope your eyes are open wide and you realize that the things that happened back then are forerunners for us today, and the lessons are yet to be learned, and we need to learn them now and stand our ground, not only with the Lord, but one another. We'll talk more about these things in the concluding segment of Come Together San Diego when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Can you believe it's the last segment, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Can you believe that the topic has been beyond words, literally beyond words? And so what we're going to do right now is I'm, Amy Smith is one of is the leader of our prayer warriors who've been praying over the show for in the five years now. And I'm gonna, she's been here for the show, and I want her to spend 30 seconds praying over you right now to stir you up. And then, then the Thomas... Uh, Winder and I, archaeologist Thomas, Professor Thomas Winder and I are going to close the show. So, I mean, take 30 seconds, drill it, and then Thomas, be ready to rock and roll till the end of the show. I mean, Smith. Father, we thank you for the anointing that you're bringing to San Diego. We ask that you bring us all together, Jew and Gentile, and just come together, San Diego, in the Holy Spirit. We ask for anointing to go out to just move us to take action and be anointed by your spirit to be your hands extended into the world, just like they're talking about now. Because the things that were are now. The things that were are now. Thomas, I'm going to hand the baton to you. My listening friend, Thomas said it in the last segment, we are in the vital times now. Those things were forerunners and patterns for us about which we need to be aware. I'm going to hand the baton to you, and then you and I will close it at uh, four minutes to the top of the hour. (laughs) Go, Thomas Winder. Okay. You might want to include a website or two as well. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, everybody can find me, Thomas Winder, at Holy Land Research institute.org. I am the Holy Land Research Institute. I'm based in Albuquerque and also Ramadal Shams, which is the Golan Heights, 10 minutes above the uh, Caesarea Philippi. Yes. So if you come to Israel, I can always meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> because that, and, and, and honestly, that I got thrown into this thing. And that's why I've spent so much time there and was able to unfold this great story that apparently no one in the last 2,000 years has figured out. Oh, my. But, it all, but, it, but it's, it's so easy. It's so simple. You know, the two camps either said, well, it's down there, the, 
Mount of Transfiguration must be where the Catholics say it is on Mount Tabor, or it's up there somewhere on Mount Hermon. But no one has nailed this thing down. No one has pinpointed it down uh, until now. The exciting part of this is because of the story, you understand the theology behind it because of the location and the ravines and the valleys and that gate to hell, etc. And these and these evil things that are that Jesus is teaching us how to combat. He goes right there to Pan's altar to declare his church. And watch this. He says, Upon this rock I will build my church. And and the gate and the gates <laughs> of hell will not will not prevail against it, right? Well the Catholics will all say that Peter is the rock, so the church is built on Peter. Peter's the rock. The protesters or Protestants say, no way, that can't be, because Jesus says, you know, one line later, get to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not on God's will, but your own. Oh my. So the Protestants then say that the rock that Jesus is talking about must be Peter's confession. I say they're both wrong. I say the rock that Jesus is talking about is the very rock that they're standing on that represents the sinners of the world. Upon this rock. Yes. That used to serve the devil. Wow. But now, because of Jesus and what he's going to do at the cross and what he has done, his blood, his ultimate sacrifice, redeemed us sinners— Okay, and now we are redeemed sinners with the authority to kick the devil and the dark forces, not just out of our homes, out of our families, but out of our church, out of our schools, out of our government. And so the church's, literally the church's mandate is not to be a country club and a social place, to go hang out and feel good, the church is supposed to prop us up and turn us into disciples and turn us out into the world to fight the good fight. Yes. Which is against the lying, cheating, deceiving, destroying demons. That's right. And, and boy, and, and, are they out to destroy us now. That's so true. And the church better come together and wake up. That's right. Before it's too late. And what, what happened? Because not only are we losing, yes. but we're going to lose our country if we don't do something. That's right. And what happened at this time uh, in history? This is the time of Pentecost or Pentecost. This is the time when Holy Spirit visited the baby church and empowered them, that same spirit. That uh, raised Christ from the dead dwells in you right now, and will also quicken your mortal bodies. Right, N O W. My listening friend, uh, do you realize what we're saying right now? These times are like those times, except God has handed the baton from those disciples to these disciples. To us. Ooh-wee. We've got about a Come minute on, and a half. Brother. Say what you want to say in a minute and a half, and I'll close the show in the last 30 seconds. Thomas well, Winder. Well, look around, read the <laughs> newspaper, listen to the news. 
Oh, yeah, you know, you guys are in California, Californicators, and uh, it's no joke what you guys are doing. It's spilling across the whole dang world. This drag queen craziness, this wokeism, this LGBT stuff, it's all to destroy the family. It's all to destroy women. And they're sitting back, and they're not complaining much about men in their bathrooms, men in their showers, men in their swimming pools, men competing in athletic events against the women. Come on, people. The whole thing is is the devil has convinced you that you will not die. It's the same lie that he told to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Oh, it doesn't matter if you eat that from that tree. Nothing's going to happen to you. Oh well, I'm telling you, that's not what the Word says. The Word says there's two places to expect to go when you die. One is on the upward call, and one is the downward fall. It's up to each individual to accept that God is real, that he came to earth as a person through a virgin to die on the cross and be raised on the third day as the first fruits of the resurrection. And by golly, he's the head of the church. He is the bridegroom, and we better start acting like his bride. That's right. And my listening friend, here's the deal. The Bible talks about the time of Pentecost, which we've just discovered, and that was when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and uh, empowered them. God is wants to come upon us right now, well, we today. We don't have any excuses. No, no excuse we today. Have the Holy Spirit. That's right. So my listening friend, Thomas Winder and I, we, uh, we were going to talk about Tabernacle of Moses. We ran out of time, but maybe another time. But, but, but the truth of the matter is you need to be aware of the times in which we find ourselves and also be aware of God whom has the desire to empower you to do uh, like the disciples did. But there were, it was a baby church back then. Now it's the maturing church. Be mature. Listen, pray, and listen to Holy Spirit and obey. Come together, San Diego. It was Thomas's and my pleasure, and I, me as well, to spend time with you and stir you to listening and obeying in Jesus' name. God bless you and see you next week. Thomas, thanks, brother. Thanks for joining Cass Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.